Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Race with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and we have another action-packed show for you. We've had some great guests on here recently, and I really, really appreciate that. We have another good one here for you on this show, and we're going to get to that guest here in just a couple of minutes. But I know everybody pretty much rained out this weekend, but there's still plenty to talk about. Talladega was wild and wacky as always, so we'll cover that in the second segment. Um, we actually made it over to Auburndale this weekend. New Smyrna rained out on Friday. Um, the family fun night has gone by the wayside once again, unfortunately. Um, so we decided to uh, make the trip down to Auburndale. Actually, Kenny hitched a ride, so uh, it was good hanging out with Kenny once again. Um, unfortunately, Mother Nature came through at the worst time, and we didn't get much in, so we'll talk about that. Actually, I'll, I'll be honest, probably the most fun I've ever had during a rainout was at Auburndale this past weekend, so we'll touch on that on segment number two. Um, around the state this week, not too much, but we do have a third segment uh, with all the normal things that you've come to expect here if you make it that far on the show. I know most of you probably listened to like the first segment, and you're like, all right, that's enough, but I'm telling you, you're going to want to listen uh, listen to this entire show. Before we get to our guest, who I'll introduce here in a moment, there are some things that I want to say. Um, I have some opinions on some things. Also, a little bit of a news dump. Um, let's start with the news. Um, the entry list for the Governor's Cup is starting to grow. Now, I don't have an entry list that is as big as the Bigley race because that race right now, that is that and um, Snowball Derby are some of the biggest things. But I do want to bring this up because I want to let everybody know that I have been updating the entry list as they have been slowly coming out. If you go to our website and go to the special events section, um, I have not made this public yet. It, it's public if you know where to go, but I haven't put this out there yet. I'm waiting for the schedule. Hopefully, we'll have the full Governor's Cup schedule from CRA here shortly, and then I'm planning to make a big post. But I do have a current entry list for the Governor's Cup available on our website if you go to the special events portion of it. Um, I am downloading that right now because I want to give everybody an idea where we're at. Now, like I said, I don't have, you know, 30 cars. I've got a handful, and I really want to give these guys some love, and I, I just I, I appreciate those that actually give me something to put out there, something to talk about. So the drivers I have so far for the Governor's Cup 200 include A.J. Waller in the 8, Brad May in the 9, George Gorham in the 10, Ross Francisco in the 10F, Stephen Nassie in the 51, Michael Atwell 55, and Richard Elkins 55. Also, a very important driver is registered for the Governor's Cup, but I was asked by the team not to release the information yet. And because I have a lot of respect for this team and they had enough respect to reach out to me personally, there is a big mystery that I cannot talk about. So there is, and the only reason I'm saying anything about it on the show is there's still an entry that is official that's not released yet. So we have a good handful of drivers already. Um, remember back in 2020, Florida Governor's Cup started 14 cars. I think we'll beat that. I think we'll be around 20. Do I think it's going to be 30 cars like the Bigley? No, I, I don't. I really don't. The Freedom Factory is going to have its effect on that race. That that race has pulled 30 cars easy uh, the last couple of years. I wish 
that all those Florida cars that go to that event would come to Governor's Cup too, but I understand why they don't. So we're going to get some good cars. I, I have a feeling in the next, oh, three, four weeks, it's really going to look good. So just bear with me. Um, Pro Late Models so far, Dylan LeBeau is going to make his Pro Late Model debut. Hudson Bolger out of Georgia is going to be here. Richard Elkins and Philip Bissett have registered. In the Modifieds, i got a handful of those. Uh, Matt Jarrett and Shane Hell were the first cars to register for Governor's Cup weekend, and we have Ricky Moxley as well in the Mod Minis. Uh, Jerry Simons has registered in the 71, and the 112 Sean Bass, they've registered. Um, team cars, that's going to be interesting. So the Mod Mini race on Governor's Cup Sunday is going to be interesting. So far, no sportsman entries. Uh, a couple of pro trucks, actually a good handful of pro trucks. We have Richard Griffiths, Dalton Smith, Nolan Mesa, Timmy Walters, and Jeffrey White. More on the pro trucks here in a moment. E-Mods, let's check, take a look there. Kurt Robinson, Dylan Williams, Eugene Tuminello, Travis Sukup, and Hank Baker so far. Super Stocks, Stephen Metz and Paul Kochi. Thank you guys for registering. Bomber A's, we have Aaron Foy, Joe Racine, who was on our very podcast last week and did a great job. Chris Savini also looking to make his return. Uh, Aaron Foy will be in the Bomber B along with Kenny Roth. Those are our first two registrations there. Um, nothing for the 602 mods yet, but the usual suspects will be there, no doubt. And Ground Pounder Scott Cutter. Appreciate him registering. So that's where we're at. It's a little sneak peek of the official full Governor's Cup entries and... You know, as I'm able to make um, updates to the entry list, basically what I've done is I've started an Excel spreadsheet, and as the entries come in, I add to it, and every couple of days I'll update the entry list. If you go to our website and go to special events, you can find the full list for yourself, and you can continue to keep up to date with what we have. Other bit of news that I want to put out there, the Florida Pro Truck Division, the Ashley Holmes Jacks Trucks, as we call them, has really had a great year. Uh, not just at New Smyrna, but around the state. And um, there's been a, a little bit of a, uh, a situation that's popped up. Uh, last week, actually, as I was recording the podcast with Joe, I got a message from Rich Levance about Freedom Factory. And I'm like, oh, what is this? I'll deal with this uh, later after I'm done recording. And then I read it, and apparently Freedom Factory decided that they were going to have a pro truck race on October 14th. Great. Awesome. I'm glad to see racing over there, like real racing. Um, the problem is we've had our pro truck finale scheduled for October 14th over at New Smyrna since January when the schedule was put out. I get it. And I've said it on this podcast before, and I want to reiterate, nobody owns a date. Do what you want, but that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it. I'm pretty upset with the fact that Freedom Factory would just throw a truck race out there and not consider what we have going on. We've had a great season for the trucks. We've had like 12 to 18 trucks a week. And, and I get it. They race about once a month. Um, it's a division that was resurrected, was on its last legs, and Ashley Holmes came in and saved it. And I got to thank Ashley Holmes. They're, they're not a podcast sponsor, but I got to thank them. I want to give them some love for what they've done for the truck division. They turned it into a four or five truck deal to a very respectable uh, weekly racing division at New Smyrna. And I've I've loved the trucks this year. They've been so exciting. To me, the trucks and sportsmen have been two of the best divisions all year. And they, they don't get to race much. So, like, again, the less is more. Uh, less is more is sometimes good. And I, I think that's that's 
kind of been proven this year. I, I, I would love to race everybody every week, but it's not sustainable anymore. And um, I've seen so much good from the trucks. When I saw the Freedom Factory thing, when I really read about it, like I, like I said, we don't own the date, so they can do what they want. But it's just, you know, it, it's hard for me to to want to show my my support for that event. Uh, given, you know, that would have been a great night for them. I get it. They're having the Ranger Danger thing, and it ties in with trucks. I get it. But, man, what a great night to have sportsmen. Nobody else is running sportsmen that night. What a great night to have, like, a pro late model race and kind of, like, pump up the big league or have a super late model race, pump up the big league, give these guys a chance to come out and race and, like, you know, get a night in. I don't know. Their, their response is, well, what if we were to run Crown Vicks and we were to schedule on top of Auburndale? Everybody runs Crown Vicks every damn week. I mean, I, I get what you're saying there, but also we've had the truck finale, the 50-lap truck finale scheduled since January. So now we've had a couple of rainouts. I got on the horn and I talked with Holly from New Smyrna. And she's like, hey, We've had some rainouts. We have some extra sponsor money. Let me talk with Ashley Holmes. Let me, you know, get with them and see what they want to do because it's, at the end of the day, it's their money. Um, and they were able to come up with a very good payout, uh, $1,600 to win our Pro Truck 50 at New Smyrna. Now, I believe Citrus, uh, not Citrus, I'm sorry, uh, Freedom Factory is paying 1200 to win that night. I just want to put it out there for you truckers, Looking to go to Freedom Factory because it's cool. It's, you know, they got the Cletus Factor right now. I get it. Go where you're going to go. But remember, they're paying 1200 to win, okay? They're paying the Rangers, the stock trucks, two grand to win. So just think about that for a minute. They want you truckers to come race with them, but they're going to pay the stock trucks more than the professional pro trucks, the great pro trucks. Think about it. So what we were able to do at New Smyrna, we, we want, and look, if we get 10 trucks that night, we want to make sure that it's somewhat worth it for our 10 guys. Now, the eighth place guy isn't going to have as good a night as the winner. It's, you know, you, you come to the track to win, right? That's where the big purse goes. Uh, 1,600 to win, 1,150 for second, and 800 for third. That's pretty darn good for podium payout. Um. Let's see, um, 575 for fourth, 450. If you finish in the top five, like I, it's going to be pretty decent for you. So again, uh, thank you to uh, Ashley Holmes Jacks. Thank you to New Smyrna for looking into that and making, look, we're, we weren't going to bow down. I was told when I was at Auburndale this week that we should back down. And my response to that was, excuse my French, fuck no. We've had this event scheduled from the get-go. It is our championship race. If we bow down on this event, we have no other championship races for the pro trucks. That does a disservice to the drivers that have made a commitment and have a shot at the championship. If Now, Mother Nature does its own thing. That's There was no way in hell we were going to back down because somebody else wants to throw a race on. New Smyrna Speedway has worked so hard. Say what you want about us. Our prices, our payouts the people that care, the people that put their heart and soul into New Smyrna Speedway have worked so hard to try to make this place somewhat festive every weekend. And we put in what we can to give you drivers 
a place, not only a place to race, but a place to come have fun and enjoy. So kudos to the track for coming together, sitting down, coming up with something that is reasonable. But we are not going to back down and say, oh, well, Freedom Factory is popular right now, so we're just going to back down. Listen, there are going to be times when races are scheduled on top of each other. I have a great relationship with the Auburndale Speedway, and there are going to be nights where we both have super late models or pro late models in the future. It's going to happen. This does not mean that I don't like the Freedom Factory. This does not mean that I don't respect what they're trying to do. But this was, in my opinion, not a good move, not a a move that is going to get you guys over there, uh, many friends on our side. So um, that also kind of takes my brain out of the bigly. I'm sorry it does. So um, that's my personal thoughts on it. Um, I, I think both venues are going to have plenty of trucks that night, but I just wanted to get it out there about what we're doing. And we're standing our ground. We're going to have a fantastic 50-lapper championship finale. We have three drivers within 28 points, Rich Levance, Becca Monopoly, and Richard Griffiths all have a shot at the championship. And if, hey, if things go haywire, fourth, fifth, you're not out of it yet either. Dalton Smith, uh, Brian Sukup could have an outside shot at it. So I think we're going to have at least 15 trucks. And I I don't know, I could see 15 trucks over there too. So just think about where you want to go. Know that New Smyrna Speedway, Ashley Holmes, Jacks, we have built a fantastic weekly championship truck division. I know we only run you, you know, every three weeks or so, but we run you and we give you points. You are a weekly NASCAR home track division, whereas Freedom Factory, you might race there once or twice a year. So just, I want you to think about it and I want you to hear that out. And if you are oh, there goes Ryan on his high horse about New Smyrna again. Well, at least y'all know where I stand. And I appreciate our our weekly competitors. Our truck division has been fantastic, and it's going to finish on a fantastic note. The other thing I want to talk about before I bring in our great guest for tonight's first segment, um, and man, I wasn't going to talk about this, but then I saw the video that Yoho put out last week about the George Gorham situation. And I got to tell you, um, well, I, I've never had... I look, I've rarely had negative interactions with any of the major uh, track owners slash promoters around here. I have the utmost respect for these people. Um, I, I agree a lot with what Yoho had to say the other night. Um, as you guys know from listening to the show, and many of you uh, will, many of you that are listening will uh, know me from around the Auburndale Speedway and know that I have the utmost respect for Rex, Colette, and Ricky. Uh, Ricky Brooks, the reason I ever got to announce over there. Um, but I don't agree with trying to get somebody banned from all the big races or, you know, all the other tracks. I have, in, in my opinion, a track owner has every right to ban somebody from their facility. If And, and I was not there the night where George got in trouble. I don't even know half of what happened. So I'm not going to comment on that. It's not my place. And like I just said, Rex, Collette, Auburndale Speedway, they have every right to say George cannot race here forever, for the year, for next year, whatever it may be. Then George got himself in trouble at showtime, and they suspended him for two weeks. He paid his dues, and he's allowed back. Uh, 
Um, I, I just, I think it's wrong to then get on the horn and I've heard some allegations that there was not, I guess it's blackmail. You know, things were said like, oh, well, if this doesn't happen, then this isn't going to happen. I just think that's wrong. I, I think, you know, do what you want at your track, but don't then get into a series' ear and talk them out of letting somebody race. Don't go to another track. Let, you know, if the other track says, hey, I heard what happened that night and he's not welcome here as well, that's fine. Again, every track, New Smyrna has the right to say that so-and-so can't race here because they got in a fight. Uh, Showtime has the right to say that so-and-so can't race here because they cursed out an official. But stay in your lane. That's my look at it. Stay in your lane. George Gorham will be at, at New Smyrna for Governor's Cup. So if you don't like George Gorham, come boo him. If you like George Gorham, come root him on in November for the Governor's Cup. I guess he's not allowed to race the big league now. I think that's a shame. I think there's a couple of recent uh, decisions that have been made over on, on that uh, end of things that, in my opinion, aren't the best look. But, again, that race, is the, the big league is going to be great. And um, I just don't know if I'm going to be there this year. So um, that's where I'm at. Um, and again, not my decisions, not even my influence wasn't there, didn't see it. I don't even have a, a take on it. My only take is stay in your lane, make your decisions where you have the power. Now, with that said, let's transition into a very fun interview here. Um, we're going to take a few moments and welcome a good friend of mine, uh, one of the fellow announcers of the state, Mr. Bobby Rowland. The, I, I call him the hype man at the Auburndale Speedway because he compliments the original track announcer uh, now um, at Auburndale, Mr. Steve Darling, our great sponsor from SRQ Taxes. Um, so we're going to hear from Bobby Rowland. Um, I'll be honest with you, did not know much about Bobby until he started racing at Auburndale. I had heard the name, knew he was a racer. Um, I learned a lot about Bobby and we have a very fun conversation coming up. So please enjoy that. And then after the interview and the break, come on back. We'll talk about uh, my experience at Auburndale Speedway this weekend and the NASCAR race at Talladega. All right, everybody on the racing with Ryan hotline, very special guest with us today, driver at the Auburndale Speedway and the new hype man on the mic over at the Auburndale Speedway. We have Bobby Rowland on the line with us. Bobby, how's it going? What's up, man? Not much, man. How are things with you? Oh, you know, we're uh, doing the best we can with what we got. Um, I hear that. It's funny. It's it's funny that you say driver uh, because not a lot of people know about this. And if you watch the Speedway video um, from the fr last Friday, I believe I, I told me and Steve were having a conversation in the uh, booth while the Crown Vicks were out there, and I said, you know, I'm going to retire from driving. And then I was out there this past weekend when it rained, and uh, Sunday morning around nine o'clock, I sold the car. So I have uh, officially retired from driving, um, hanging up the helmet for. Uh, foreseeable future and man i am just going to stick with uh being in the booth and doing whatever i can to uh help out the racetrack in any way shape or form that i can uh besides being behind the wheel you know 
I had heard about that because I was at that race where you announced the retirement, if you will. And I was kind of surprised to see out there on Saturday. I was pleasantly surprised. A car in the field is always a good thing. And I'm not going to lie. I love the Dodge. I think it's fantastic. So I was happy to see you out there. I was excited for the races. Uh, I hate that the rain came in. I was watching it kind of looked like it was moving away from the racetrack, but then it just kind of built and built and built and just poured on the racetrack. And it sucks, man. I drove 10 minutes away from the track after it canceled and it's bone dry just past town. But that was one of those things. But um, since we got you on the show tonight, I kind of want to go over your whole story because I, I think it's pretty cool that you've gone from driver to now guy with a microphone. So I want to I want to hear from you kind of where it all started and, and what led you to pursuing uh, joining Steve up there with the booth. So let's start with uh, Bobby, the race car driver. When did you start racing? What got you into racing? Uh, honestly, man, it was it was my dad. Uh, my dad and his brother and my grandfather, uh, they raced in the early 80s out there at Arbordale, uh with Roland Brothers Racing. And they ran uh, street stocks and sportsman cars. And my dad even uh, got behind the wheel of a, of a figure eight um, when the car count was low. And uh, dad had always been into racing. And he, uh, he took a step back from it. Um, man, it had to be roughly around when him and my mom got together. He raced a couple races and then sold it. And then I never even seen a race car until uh, I was mm, seven or eight years old. And he goes, uh, hey, we're going to the racetrack. And I'm like, what's a racetrack, you know? <laughs> wow. And he hauled us up to, to Arbordale. And and I think my dad was honestly looking to get back into it. So he he'd just been away from it for so long that he kind of wanted to see was out there kind of, you know, wanted to see the competition and all that. So, a uh, few, few weeks later, it seemed, now I'm trying to remember back from an eight year old mindset of, you know, I come home from school one day and dad's got this race car and big trailer in the yard. And he's like, we're going racing. I was like, okay. And, uh, well then he had ran, um, back in this was 2006 so the mini stocks now were the scrambler cars or whatever and dad wanted to kind of start back in small so he had this uh it was a plymouth sundance which was a little 2.2 car that uh he had been building and working on and i kept kind of my my dad didn't race anymore he had a guy from the church uh driving for him who would race up in indiana and stuff and and i kept poking at dad i'm like hey let me just try it and he goes absolutely not I'm like no i'm like come on let me try it and so then he goes all right so we go out there to rent the track one day and i jump in this little four-cylinder car and had no idea what I was doing, but I fell in love with it. And Dad seen something that uh, I guess I didn't, and we got home, and he posted that car up for sale. And uh, this is when the Kids Club Series was rocking and rolling out there at Arbondale 
under uh, Trina McLean, and you had Daniel McLean out there racing Kids Club. You had, um, let's see, Jason Subcheck was out there. You had uh, the Weavers mm-hmm. out there racing. And so I get out there, and we find a, a Kids Club car, um, and it was, I forgot how much they, they wanted for it, but my dad's like, if you want to race, you're going to buy it. I'm like, well, okay, how am I going to buy it? So I went off, um, and the this is before Rex and Colette Guy bought Arbordale, and the guy that was running the racetrack at the time, I, I asked him, I said, hey, man, let me mow the grass at the racetrack, and that's a lot of grass. Mm-hmm. Like, and he Especially goes, all right, I'll pay you. I think it was like three hundred dollars. It was something crazy cheap um, to mow all that grass, and it took me uh, a decent amount of time because we didn't have like a big zero turn mower. We just had this little, you know, it was a little ride mower. But I was out there, it seemed like every day and during the summer, and just mowed the grass at the racetrack, and that's how I bought my first race car. Um, that's pretty cool. Got it together. Yeah, I went out there and I mowed the grass at the racetrack and uh, got the money up, um, purchased the car, and uh, ran Kids Club from 2006. I think my, we bought the car in 2006, and then it took us a while to get it all together. So I actually didn't get to race Kids Club until 2007, and then I ran all the way until uh, 2010. In the kids club series, that's when you know that everything kind of uh, the kids club series um, fell apart or was you know sent away uh, after the terrible accident with Tyler Moore. Um, at that point, I had already you know graduated out of the kids club, went to scrambler cars and mini stocks, and just kind of you know took off racing, um, did it here and there, uh, and really just loved it, man. I've been racing since, off and on since, you know, roughly, uh, 2006, seven. Um, and it was one of those things that I just absolutely loved doing. Um, I, I, I gotten sick, uh, my freshman year in high school and, had to spend uh, a lot of time in the hospital with a heart disease. Oh, gosh. Um, so that actually took me out of the racing seat for quite a while. Um, spent a lot of time in Shan's Hospital up in Gainesville, um, the Ronald McDonald House, so on and so forth. Um, so racing was, uh, was not able to be done during that part of my life. I yeah, even, it would take a back seat there I, for I, sure. Yeah, I didn't even get a uh, an actual freshman year of high school um, because I was in what was called hospital homebound school. My goodness. And and so all that, man, it was really just a, uh, you know, um, but it, 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 during everything that happened, racing was always what kept me going. Like, I, I remember, relate. you know, just watching we would go to the track um and i i still have it uh when because in kids club you have to have a co-writer right and my co-writer was a fella who uh raced mock minis at the time jason birch and 
he had this super cool helmet and uh when they found out that i was diagnosed with this heart disease um then he went around and had everybody sign this helmet for me man and uh, i've still got the helmet it was uh so it was it's a community that is like any other and i've played football and i've done this and i've done that Racing to me is more than just getting in a car and taking off and going fast and setting the world on fire. It it honestly becomes a family. And, oh, it does. Um, Dude, I learned the, that the, the people the people make a huge difference. I mean, they really do. I, I want to go back. Um, you're talking about the the kids club. Not, like today, we've got quarter midgets, we've got mini cups, we've got legends cars, bandoleros. What exactly was the kids club? What what kind of cars were we running? in that that was a little bit before my time so kids club man uh was around for a, a long time because even uh if you talk to george gorham uh the super late model driver he, he started kids club okay um a, a lot of your drivers that was around this area started in the kids club series and they were um my first kids club car was an 86 dodge charger and they are, you know, full, uh, full race cars, um, like a, like a mini stock. Uh, we ran on uh, trailer tires. We were bone stock motors, but uh, we had two seats in them. You had two racing seats. Uh, you had the kid driver and an adult co-rider. Interesting. And yeah, so you would uh, learn the basics of racing. Um, we would have Sunday seminars at the racetrack, so you would go out and uh practice you'd have to have you know three seminars under your belt before you could even uh compete in your first race then you would have to before you could go race you know the the president of kids club the vice president and other parents would have to watch you on the track there was three different divisions you had your novice your juniors and your senior division um, once you got to the senior division, uh, you could then kick out your co-rider and race by yourself. Cool. Um, and it was uh, it was definitely an experience for me. Um, yeah, that's it's, what it's, got me into it. It's very they similar. You everything. Very similar to quarter midgets, but with real you know four cylinder stock race cars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we had everything from you know the Dodges at the time to. Uh, um, Mustangs. We yeah. had a couple, uh, some Pintos out there, and uh, and you would just get out there with you know twelve, thirteen year olds and just dig. <laughs> I mean that's that's a good way to start. I mean get you right into the kind of you know kind of cars you'll be racing as you move up the ladder. So I don't know, man. I think that's really cool. Um, you hit on the fact that the the people make it what it is and. Uh, part of what I talked about before I got you on the phone here is how much fun I had even at a rain out. When, when you start to get to know to know people at the racetrack, man, it's, it, it just enhances the experience. So I'm sure that's what's, as you mentioned, that's kind of what's kept you around this whole racing deal for so long. Oh yeah. I mean the, uh, even when the, the time when I wasn't racing, um, I still had the, the racers, would reach out, you know, hey, man, um, how you been? You know, how's everything going? And would check in. I mean, the, the kids, because around the time that I got sick would have been my senior year in kids club. 
And, I mean, there's still drivers that was in the kids club with me then that I still talk to today. Um, Cody McDuffie uh, in the pro truck, he was in there with me and, you know, had a great relationship with Cody. Um, Ashton Hunt, Dakota Hunt, uh, I don't think they're racing at the moment right now, but they were in there with us. Uh, Jason Subject, who is now a NASCAR official. Nice. He was, uh, he was you know, in the kids club with us. And it was just a, a small group of us, man, that really kind of just stuck together even after um, we graduated from kids club. So after after kids club, what, what did you do from there? Did you go straight into mini stocks? We went to mini stocks. Um which, you know, the kids, because at Arbondale there was a mini stock, which is not what the mini stocks are today, because today the mini stocks are the scrambler cars. Right. But back back then there was a division that was called mini stock, which was a step below a mod mini, okay. but a step That's right. above um, a scrambler car, right, that they ran the, the wide tires and stuff. And I don't think they really ran anywhere else. They only ran at Arbordale, um, which kind of made it uh, interesting and tricky all at the same time sure. because they, uh, you know, it was it was mostly Dodges at the time. So you had a lot of the Daytonas, the Chargers, um, a lot of you know some Mustangs. But our kids' club cars were pretty much built to go from kids' club. You could either you know, have the put a bigger carburetor on it, shave the head, put a cam in it, and then just go straight into the mini stock division, or you would just change your tires and go down to the um, scrambler division. Okay. So we, uh, you know, we we did both. Um, we went scrambler racing, and then we went mini stock racing. And you know, around that's around the time that I got sick, so. I wasn't able to do much of it, um, and honestly, man, I didn't. I didn't get cleared to race for another three years mm. after after that. That's a long time to just sit back there and wonder what's going to happen next. So obviously, um, you got through that setback. You were able to get back on track, um, mm-hmm. and I know from seeing you out at Auburndale that you, you got to what is now the Mod Mini Division. Um, is that the highest level of competition that you've been to, or, or did you do other things in between? Uh, no, nah, man, the, the Mod Mini was, that was a, uh, that was awesome. Uh, that was an experience. Um, that ride was uh, produced by Mr. Steve Smith, and okay. uh, unfortunately, I'm no longer in that class. We, um, But I ran everything from pure stocks to, uh, I even went up to, Mississippi last year and ran legend cars oh, with nice. uh, team FFR, which is a, they have a YouTube channel, um, Skylar Fleming and, and those guys up there in Mississippi and, uh, ran legend cars at, uh, sunny South speedway in Alabama. And the, the mod mini has been the most, uh, competitive that we've been in a class like that. And, it was, uh, you know, just we lost a motor um, and finances and everything. We had put a whole bunch of money into it to start the season. And honestly, I feel like when we lost the second motor, that kind of just uh, set us back enough to where we're like, you know, we can't 
uh, we can't go any further with it. So still sitting, uh, we were sitting third in points all the way until the last race. And I, then I think Kenny will trump me uh, to, you know, put me now fourth in points. But now with them only having, I believe, two races left, hopefully I'll, uh, you know, get top five in points with the Mod Mini. And that will be a career highlight for me because um, I'll actually get to go to the banquet this year. Well, there you go. I mean, you know, sometimes the setbacks are, are what tells you what to do next. And obviously you've done a lot of racing. You've raced all kinds of different things and everybody loves a racer, but what made you then decide, okay, I'm still kind of racing. I've had this little bit of a setback here with the racing stuff. What got you into the booth? The the booth thing is crazy because what happened with that um, was actually the Christmas parade. And, so, Bray Holmes, Aaron and Bray Holmes, I cannot thank these guys enough because they're good uh, people. They they're the ones that put me on that float, right? Okay. And it was it was Aaron and it was Bray Holmes racing float, and we had um, too many cut cars on there. Well, they normally do this big thing every uh, Christmas around the parade time, where they you know put together this awesome float. We got the late model on there. We've got some mini cup cars. We had a dirt bike on there. And uh, he's got this um, DJ on there who was actually Bray's main main sponsor, the Brack Shack. And he's also a DJ when he's not uh, doing the barbecue thing. So that, if I can remember correctly, the day of the parade, Bracken, who was the Brack Shack, had a wedding and he was the DJ for that wedding and lost his voice. Oh, no. And he goes, he goes, I can play music. And I've always been a, like, a fun guy. Like, I've never met a stranger. Like, there's, you know, if, if we're ever in, like, a room and you can feel, like, the tension, I'm going to do whatever I can try to cut the tension and get everybody laughing right. and, you, you know, having a good time. You've got that outgoing so, personality for sure. Well, I appreciate that, man. And Aaron's like, Bobby, I need you to do me a favor. I said, okay, what's up? He goes, I need you to get on the the microphone for this float and just talk to the people. And I'm like, dude, you are making a dream come true right now. And he goes, really? I'm like, man, this is like, this is what I want to do. And uh, so we're, we're on the parade route and we're getting down. And it just so happens that Rex and Colette were on the side of the road watching the parade, okay? And Aaron knew where they were going to be, and he goes, hey, when you get close to them, he goes, I want you to just let the racetrack have it. Like, give them a shout-out. And I'm like, okay. So we're chugging along there on the parade float, and we see, you know, Rex and Colette, and I give the racetrack this Mondo shout-out. I'm like, you know, hey, everybody, there's owners of Arborville Speedway. Y'all come out, da-da-da. And uh, Colette reached out to Aaron and said, you know, who was on the float? And he goes, that's Bobby. He was, because at the time I was actually working for Aaron and Bray filming their YouTube channel. Oh, okay. And yeah. he goes, uh, he goes, that's, that's Bobby. He's our film guy who films all of our, our YouTube stuff. And she's like, well, you know, would he be interested in maybe calling? Uh, we need like a hype man for tour destruction. And I was mm-hmm. like, are you kidding? Like, dude, that would be awesome, 
right? To just be out there for tour destruction. I mean, there's a lot of people. I yeah, mean, it is. between Friday and Saturday night, you're looking, you know, 5,000 people between both nights, you know, if not more. Dude, and that's and, such a way to let your personality shine because you, you know, yeah, you focus on the racing, but you can kind of let yourself get out there a little bit, you know, kind of branch out and just get the crowd involved. That's one of the important things about those types of events. Like, yeah, tell them about what's going on on the track, but get them into it. Keep them, keep them into it. And, and I saw on Speedway video of that event. I, I, I think Speedway video was there for the first one that you did. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you're out there trying to get people to do karaoke. You're finding ways to get people like out of their shell a little bit. Cause we're so used to the fans just coming, sitting, watching the racing and going home. But like keeping them invested is such a big deal, especially with attention spans the way they are nowadays. So, like I I, I saw you um, kind of interact with those people. I'm like, wow, that's a, that, I mean, that's that's way more advanced than what I do. So um, I, I saw that and I was like, damn, this guy, he's definitely he's definitely the hype man. That's for sure. And that was my first time working a crowd like that. Mm-hmm. I had never done anything like that. Well, it, um, it looked it looked natural. I mean. That, that's not a thing that most people can just do. A lot of people, they might be all right talking on the phone, talking to somebody face-to-face, but, you know, in front of people. And it helps that for 90% of it, we're behind everybody and everybody's focus is on what's in front of them. That That's what helped me get over the hump of that, that uh, you know, oh, I'm talking to this crowd. But to, to me, it seemed like you jumped in there and you were a natural. So it surprises me to learn that this was kind of the first – your, your first dive into this whole situation. Yeah, I had never, so the tour destruction, um, was my first event. I've never been in the booth to even see what it, now granted, I've been on Auburn Speedway my whole life. Yeah. Steve, Steve actually, uh, the announcer said, Hey man, why don't you come up the weekend before and just sit up here with me and just kind of get used to, you know, what it looks like up here. So that's what I did. I went up there the weekend before tour destruction, um, and I sat up there and I watched him do all of his thing. And uh, I think I may have called uh, qualifying with him, but I, it was I was like you know fourteen six three one fourteen two whatever. Yeah, and that's all I did. Well, well then Steve tour is... destruction comes around, and I just you know they give me full reign to do whatever it is that I want, and I'm like. I'm going to get these people to sing, because I love singing karaoke, right? Yeah, I, I can tell. Like, I was like, I'm going to get these people to sing, you know, grandstand karaoke. And it was, uh, it kind of formed into, okay, they're taking this, they're taking it well, right? So we even got down to the point to where, and I know, and I love Steve to death. He is, uh, he's a, he's a trip, man. But, I had to almost bring him out because Steve was very, um, he's very, how do I put this? Uh, we are complete opposites. Yeah, and you guys have, you guys definitely have different personalities, which you complement each other well. And Steve is one of the easiest guys to work with because, in my opinion, Steve's ego doesn't really exist. He goes up there, he does his job. It's not about mm-hmm. Steve, it's about doing the job, getting the stuff out there. So to work with Steve and to come in there, uh, and, and, and I'm speaking from my experiences here, I just go in there and I'm able to be myself and compliment Steve. We don't step on each other. We're not trying to one-up each other. We're just doing our thing, and 
I've been able to work easily with Steve, and you obviously work well with Steve. A anytime I've been to Auburndale, since you guys started working together, I've always enjoyed it. I, I enjoy Steve's delivery. I enjoy your delivery and your hype. And as as you've gotten more used to it, I, I've seen just improvement in your overall delivery and, and your game. Um, I think you two are a perfect team because, as you mentioned, Steve – Steve's just very laid back, easy going, like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's coming up next. Here's here's what's, you know, here's who finished where. And then you're like, all right, so we got 10 minutes. Let's go sing some songs. Let's dance. Let's pump up some music. And then yeah. you bring the racing experience side of things to it. So you two together, I, I love it. I, I think Auburndale's got a, a fantastic announcer situation going. So you guys have done fantastic. Yeah, and I and I can't thank them enough, man, for giving me the opportunity. Uh, it all, you know, it happened during the break. Uh, Miss Collette called. And she goes, "Hey, um, I want to bring you on to do. You know, if you can bring that tour destruction energy, you know, every week, that'd be great." And I'm and I'm thinking, you know, I totally can. And man, I've re I've gotten, and and that's kind of what brought us back to when we first started this was uh you know talking about retiring out of the race car man i as i was racing saturday night i you know you're looking around in the car and, and all this and and as we go green i'm thinking to myself why am i in this car right now i i remember you saying that to me when when i saw you in the pitch you're like i don't know what i'm doing out here yeah and and honestly man i and, dude, I have loved racing my whole life. I've always wanted to be a race car driver. So, I mean, since I was, you know, first time out there with my dad. And I'm, I'm this was the first time I've ever climbed in one and go, Bobby, this time, this part of your life has passed. Like, this season has passed for you. And normally I'm like, no, like, and I, I'm very, you know, I'm a preacher, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always listening to myself going, you know, what is, you know, what does this mean? What season am I in? And man, the, the race thing for me, I have found more enjoyment being in the booth and just being able to talk. And, you know, God gave me the gift of gab. And I really, uh, I really enjoy it, man. And, and if I can have more fun standing up there, uh, just going back and forth with Steve all night and whoever else um, and enjoy that more than strapping in that thing. And then I always want to do what's best for the racetrack. Um, and, you know, if me being in the booth is going to help them out, then that's what I want to do, man. And I had zero fun Saturday night. Uh, I'm saying it here. I had zero fun behind the wheel. Not that we, you know, not because it wasn't fast or nothing. We were quick. Um, the, you know, the car was fine. I just don't have that desire anymore to be behind the wheel. I am. I found my new desire to be behind the microphone. Well, I, I'll tell you. Um, I, I've been a lifelong race fan. I don't know if you know my story or not, but um, I, I, I've loved racing since I used to go with my dad when I was my daughter's age and, and he'd take me out to the racetrack and I'm like, this is awesome. And I remember, you know, I got through college and, and all that stuff and I was out on my own and I'm like, man, I got to get back into racing. And 
I was like, how do I get involved with the racetrack and still get to watch the racing? I love to go to the racetrack and watch the racing. And I'm like, I don't want to be cooking hot dogs. I don't want to be selling tickets. I, I want to be able to watch. How and When New Smyrna put out the you know, bulletin that they were looking for an announcer, I'm like, I have to completely put myself on inf- uh, unfamiliar territory, put myself out there. I, I've always been afraid of public speaking. I'm like, I have to do this. And I'm telling you, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life was answering a Facebook ad to be the announcer. Zero experience like you. I never have done anything like this. I, I wasn't even a racer. I was just a race fan. And yet I found my calling on the microphone. And it like, I, I we're in the short track scene. Okay. We're not, it's not big. It's not grandiose, but man, there's something about going out there on a Saturday, walking through the pits, seeing what's going on, following the storylines and telling the people what's going on and entertaining them as the racers are, you know, and you know this as you're a racer yourself or you, you know, you were, um, these guys are putting their heart and soul out there for these fans on a local racetrack on a Saturday night. And it is exhilarating to call those races and be part of the show. Um, so I completely resonate with what you say about how, you know, you, you've realized that now that's your calling too. Like you're having more fun up in the booth than on the racetrack. It really is a fun thing that we get to do on Saturdays. Absolutely. I mean, and, uh, me and Steve always mess around and, and I'm like, Hey, what, uh, what other thing can I do besides come to the racetrack? And I mean, every time I'm in victory lane, I mean, there wasn't a time that I was <laughs> racing that I'm like, man, I sure hope we finish much less. Let's get in victory lane tonight. So I'm like, Hey man, I was in victory lane with a sprint car the other night talking to those guys. Yeah. There's, there is a, uh, there is not a snowball chance that I will ever be behind the wheel of a sprint car or much less put a sprint car in victory lane. But I can say that I was in victory lane with a sprint car um, last weekend, and I enjoyed that completely. Yeah, man. One of the coolest things for me is is watching William Byron win on, on Sundays now. And I'm like, damn, I was talking to him in victory lane at New Smarter during speed weeks when he won a couple races. I'm like, that is the coolest thing. I don't... I don't care if people are William Byron fans. I don't care if people like NASCAR. I don't care if NASCAR is even a big thing anymore. I'm like, damn, I, I'm getting to talk to people that then I'm watching on my television on Sundays or I'm getting to talk to the biggest late model people. And, and for you guys at Auburndale, you have such an awesome group of people that race over there. I mean, it's, it's really cool at the end of the day to just be like, wow, I get to do this and get to be a part of the sport I love. That to me is the best part about my job. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I found even more interesting about it was I worked with Jake Wilson, who is one of the best on the microphones. Um, Jake and myself worked with uh, Brandon Martin and Blackwater Media Group. Yeah. So we were, uh, we went around last year, man, we went to Montgomery and, uh, Went to Montgomery Motor Speedway, went to Bowman Gray, um, and that's the first time that I ever met Bella Pollard was out there at Montgomery. Now, I have been a huge Bubba Pollard fan, and then next thing you know, not only am I at the same racetrack as Bubba, I am in his pits holding a camera 
for Jake as he is interviewing Bubba. And, man, are you talking about shaking like a twig on a tree, man? I was like, holy cow. Like, I am standing right here in front of Bubba Pollard. I'm standing right here because, if I'm not mistaken, William Savalicek won the race that night. Uh So, I mean, we're right there in victory lane with with William. And he was just a cane in, uh, you know, pro series. Yeah, but he's he's Um, up and coming, man. So, yeah, so I mean, getting this experience with these guys, I'm like, and then just sit, sitting in this truck and listening to Jake call these races, I was like, man, he is painting a picture. Yep. Of I remember that is awesome. First time I went to Showtime, I heard Jake, and I'm like, I, I didn't know who he was. I'm like, damn, this guy's good. Jake, Jake's yeah. fantastic, and you know, talking about Bubba Pollard, I mean, there, there's a name synonymous with short track racing. He he's this this big presence. Um, you know, he's got the nickname that he hates, uh, Redneck Jesus. He's like the Jesus of short track racing. But then you get to know Bubba, and I, I, I mean, I don't know him too well, but just in my experiences with him at, at New Smyrna and interviewing him several times, I realize he's no different than any of us. He just loves to race. He just loves yeah. short track racing. He's you know he's this big name because he's really good at his craft. But man, it, he ain't any different than than me and you. He just loves what he does behind the wheel, just like we love what we do, whether you're racing or, or calling calling the races. He just loves to be part of it. And, and when, when you realize that about Bubba, he's just the guy you can go up and shake his hand and be like, nice to see you. And you don't have to, you don't have to, after you get over those butterflies, you don't have to feel them anymore around him because you just know he's basically one of us. He just loves yeah, to be around it. And it, I don't know, That's that's been my favorite part about short track racing, the people that are your core whether it be your Auburndale regulars, your Citrus regulars, your New Smyrna regulars, you know, whatever it may be, those people just love what they do and they love to be there on a Saturday night. And there is nothing better than getting to know those people. And I'll circle back around to what you mentioned um, earlier in the show about how it is the people that keep you going. Because there are trials and tribulations. And I'm sure if you haven't run into them yet with your new position, you're going to, you're going to say something inadvertently that's going to tick somebody off. You're going to have a bad night. You're going to have a night where you're like, man, I suck tonight. You're going to trip over your words. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're at the end of the day, you got to go through that. You've got to learn from that. It only makes you better. Um, but you know, you could have the worst day or worst night on the microphone. And then the next week you're ready to do it again, because you're just, you're ready for the next storyline. You're ready to see those people again. You're ready to just go have fun. And I feel like you have that attitude. You have, I, I almost feel like you don't even care if, if you may mess up. You're just ready for the next thing. You know, th- there are some people that will, <laughs> they'll, they'll say something and be like, oh my God, I just ruined the night. And I, I you know, dude, there, there was a night, most embarrassing thing, thing that's ever happened to me. I, I was being told there was going to be a rocket launch. It got scrubbed. I was anticipating the rocket launch and I looked up in the sky and I saw a flash of red and it looked like the rocket coming out from behind a cloud. It was actually the radio tower that's always there, that always flashes. But, and I'm like, hey, there's the rocket. Oh, nope, that's a radio tower. I'm an idiot. But you know. Oh, man, just the other night, uh, it was funny you said that because um, me and Steve are up there calling the you know the, the races. And, man, this Crown Vic class is blowing up. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of new people new names that's coming to Arbondale that I've never met before and there's this one driver in particular and 
Uh, if he's listening, man, I am so sorry that I did this. Uh, it was Dakota Dinkins. Okay. Right? And he was driving the number 25, I believe. And, um, man, he, so you're, he's battling back and forth with whoever it was. And I know his name is Dakota Dinkins. You know his name is Dakota Dinkins. And Steve knows, right? And I go, Dakota Dinkle coming out of four. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yep, yep. Dude, that God. happens, man. That happens. You're, you're going to call the wrong name. You're going to call the wrong thing. You're going to say somebody got wrecked by somebody. And then you go watch the video and you're like, oh, nope, that's completely wrong. But stuff like that, man, it, it's part of the game. What people that haven't done what we do realize, we're basically up there improvising. You know, we're, we're watching a product and we're improvising off what we're seeing happen and unfolding in front of us very quickly. So mistakes happen. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have an unpopular take about something that happened, not to, you know, uh, be rude to somebody, but hey, your view of the incident is this, and it's going to tick somebody off. So look, I, I have haters because I'm vocal. I have a podcast. I say the things that I feel like need to be said. So I have people that don't like me, and, and that'll probably happen to you, and whether it's intentional or not. But, you know, at the end of the day, you go back the next week and you do your thing. And a, a lot of the things that have come up in, in my world have rectified themselves. Just things happen. And I know you're still new at this. So right now it's probably all, um, you know, you're in that fairy tale world where everything's great. Things are going to come up. And I, I think you have the personality to get through that and to just continue doing you. And like I said, you and Steve make such a great team. Like, I, I loved coming to that that Friday event. There was maybe 150 people there total. And you guys are out yeah. there acting like it's Crash-O-Rama. That's the kind of thing short track racing needs. Yeah, I and that's the thing about Steve, man, because, you know, he, he was so willing to just whatever. I was like, hey, man, I've got this idea. He goes, let's do it. Yeah. Because uh, I, I even said, hey, let's cut the grandstands in half. And I said, let's go Team Bobby, Team Steve, and <laughs> let's literally make these make the grandstands compete against one another all night long. And I know Steve was so uncomfortable. Like I could read it all over him. I'm like, God, he does not <laughs> he does not want to be doing this right yeah. now. Um, but he was such a champ, man, and we got down there and as the night started going, it just kinda you know, he come out of his shell, and me, I was like, you know, if this is the last time that I ever get to do this, it's supposed to be the first and last time. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just live it up, aim for the fences, yeah. And um, the just the, the overwhelming experience that it was to to not only um, get invited back, but because then after the Armageddon going. Uh, I was invited over to Orlando yeah. and me and Steve called the Orlando one. And man, I was like, this is awesome. You know? And as someone who's been in Crash-O-Rama many, many times, it was to just see a whole different side of it that I was like, this is sweet. Like, so, and even just reading some of the comments, man, from tour destruction, like, you know, the, the announcers had us, you know, hooked all night long. You know, we'll we'll come back because of the announcers, which is, you know, awesome. That's what you want. So I'm like, these people think that I do this all the time. And I'm like, that's my first time ever doing it, you know? Um, 
So it was uh, it was definitely eye opening. I enjoyed it, and I can't thank Mo enough uh, for allowing me to, you know, trusting me with his his audience that night, Steve yeah. and myself, and you know, looking forward to uh, to many 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 more events, whether it be at Arbordale, wherever it might be. And I just you know, if there's a microphone and there's an opportunity, I'm down. Well, I know our our schedules are usually uh, conflicting, and as I've mentioned to Steve several times, and I'll put the the same invite out to you, if there's ever an off night and you want to make it down to New Smyrna, I know it's a haul for you guys to get up there, but just know um, if you ever want to come out, get on the mic and announce the big track one of these nights, please let me know. We'll make it work out. Um, You know, I've had Steve, I had Steve over for Red Eye. We had a ton of fun that night, so if we can ever get you out to one of these, uh, please, by all means... um, you know, come on out and have some fun with us sometime. Um, everybody thinks that announcers aren't supposed to get along because we're all territorial and, you know, we don't want anyone to come into our tower and do the thing. And <laughs> The way I look at it, it's like, okay, I have my track. You guys have your track. Uh, Jake's got his track. Uh, Matt's got his track. But at the end of the day, if we can all come together and have fun together, it, you know, what – What's the harm in that if, if we're all just having fun? So uh, we got to get you out sometime, uh, get you get you over to New Smyrna um, and, you know, hype up our crowd too. I mean, that that was one of the, the – I, I was kind of like Steve. I was very sheltered. Um, not, I, I was very scared at first. Uh, I, I knew I had a passion for it, but I had to break out of my shell, and I had to have – someone pushed me. And I had a couple yeah. people push me into uncomfortable situations. And once you get past that, man, it's just all downhill, and you – being the personality that you are, you are already there. You're already ready. So I think, you know. Yeah, there's uh, there's no shame in my game, man. And yeah, that's, that's the, how it has to and be, that, man. And that, honestly, man, that's that's all my dad and my brother. Because my dad, man, he's a character. Um, and, and that's one of the, you know, the things that I thank God for is that I got his personality. And uh, is that there's no... Uh, I've never met a stranger, man. So there's there's never yeah, been a time great. in my life where I was like, "Ooh, I don't know if I should say." It. I'm like, let's just let's just say it and see what happens. Right. Ask and for forgiveness later. Good, and if it's bad, well, then they'll leave, and then I'll come back next week, and we'll do it all over again. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, once you get to that point in announcing, and you just go up there and have fun. I mean, I, I definitely take the serious moments serious, but. I've always got my stupid jokes. Sometimes they land, sometimes they don't. Sometimes I make a fool of myself, and I don't care. I'm just having fun, and obviously you are too. Um, you know, for for people that are listening, if you haven't been to Auburn in a while, head out there when you can. Um, listen to listen to Steve and Bobby together, um, and you'll hear that that Bobby has had an effect on Steve, and Steve has had an effect on Bobby. They work well together. They deliver you the program you deserve. You get to hear the facts, the figures. And you get to have a little bit of fun. And, um, you know, Bobby, when you're out there trying to hype up the crowd and everybody's just sitting there and nobody says anything, I'm like, I'm going to be as loud as I can because you are doing a hell of a job and you are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, We just got to retrain the race fans that it's okay to make noise while we're at the races. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think of my job, honestly, man, is uh, so if you've ever been to the fair, and you see that dunk clown guy, you know, and that's that's my spirit animal, dude. There you go. I'm the I'm the I'm the dunk clown, right? Okay. So I just want to annoy people to where they react in some way. Even right? if they're like, Whether shut they up, stand up, cheer, 
or they, you know, whatever. As long as they keep coming back, man, that's that's what that's my job. There you go. Well, like I said, man, um, not to just you know, because you're on the show to toot your horn. I, I've just I've enjoyed what the the product that you and Steve have put out. And uh, listen, man, I've been going to Auburndale for the last several years. Um, I was invited over there one night to. Uh, it, it was like a last minute thing. Uh, Ricky Brooks at the time was running a big late model event. He called me at like 10 o'clock and said, Hey, is there any chance I can get you here for the big super late model race uh, at noon tomorrow? And I'm like, man, I will do my best to get there early enough to do a good job for you. And that was my end at Auburndale. And then, you know, I met Rex and and Colette and uh, um, I've helped out there several times. New Smyrna, obviously my home track, but I love to help out Auburndale. And I've announced with Steve several times. I love to get out there when I can. Um, you know, again, I talked about, there's always this competition and yes, we are competing against each other. You guys are racing on Saturdays. We're racing on Saturdays. We're trying to do our thing. You're trying to do your thing. But at the end of the day, I I think we do a good job to lift each other up, even though we're on completely different ends of the spectrum here with what we're trying to do. Um, I I don't know, man, I've just enjoyed my relationship at Auburndale and I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to let politics dictate where I enjoy going to watch the races. I'm sure there are things that we do that you all don't agree with and vice versa, but man, I am so glad with the relationship that I built with that Speedway through Steve, through Ricky, uh, through Rick Bristol, through Rex and Colette, uh, and, and then meeting you and, and having you on the podcast, man. I, I, I love it. I love the whole racing world a, as a whole, especially down here in Florida. And, and I, I hope that through what we're able to do with the limitations that we all have, I hope that we continue to uh, to deliver and, and give the fans a good time when they come to our racetracks. Well, man, I really appreciate that. And this podcast, man, it is uh, this is a honor and a privilege for me. I have listened um, for a long time, and this is a uh, you know lifelong dream of mine to uh, be on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I'm glad we could have you on. It's been it's been fun. I'm glad I got to learn a little bit of uh, you know Bobby before he was the uh, the announcer and. Uh, Man, it, it's been fun talking. So I thank you, and uh, again, we'll we'll have you on sometime uh, again. Definitely, uh, it's always fun to follow up with everybody. I know we're gonna get uh, Steve on here soon, and uh, like I said, man, keep doing your thing. You and Steve are great. Keep hyping up that crowd and keep those people coming back. I appreciate it, buddy, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season down there at New Smyrna. You too, over at Auburndale, and I'm I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see you over there a couple of times. And like I said, if you're ever able to make it over, let me know. Yes, sir. Will do, buddy. All right, everybody. That's Bobby Rowland, uh, ex-driver. Let's get that clear. Ex-driver and uh, announcer, hype man over at Auburndale. Again, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99. And you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships 
on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports. And they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. 
Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the new Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 EMOD slash AMOD, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bullring at Auburndale and the big track over at the new Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open. Um, just message us here on the Race with Ryan Facebook page, or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Again, I thank Bobby Rowland for being willing to take time out of his evening to call in and be on the show. This weekend kind of sucked. We had a lot of rain here around the state. New Smyrna rained out Friday. Citrus rained out the full throttle on like Tuesday, which I don't blame them. Uh, The forecast looked bad, started to look better, and then looked bad again. Um, but I really got to give Auburndale credit for trying. It looked like, man, it looked like we were going get to get it in. We got some of it in, but not the whole thing. And it was a shame. I mean, you hate to get everybody out there and not be able to get the full show in. And I remember, I'll get to this in a bit, but I remember standing out in the parking lot looking at the clouds and I'm like, yep, those are building, but it looks like it's going away only to have it build right on top of us. So um, Auburndale. Let's start there. They were scheduled to have co-main events. Uh, Headlining was the SRL Sportsman 75, and they were also going to have a Pro Truck 50. The truck count and the SRL count was so-so, to be completely honest. That doesn't uh, necessarily mean it was going to be bad races. I was looking forward to the races. The trucks that were there were great. The Sportsmen that were there, all 13 of them could have won the race, in my opinion. So... Uh, it's not all about the counts, but from what I've seen out of the trucks and what I've seen out of the sportsmen, there should have been 20 of each. Easy. But I think the weather had something to do with it. I think we're getting to the end of the season, so a lot of people probably feel like they're out of the running for certain things. That might have something to do with it. It is what it is. Didn't even care. I was going to, after New Smyrna rained out and Auburndale was still on, I was going regardless. Um... Kenny, who uh, you guys know from from the show, and we'll have Kenny back on here uh, down the road for sure. Um, There's nothing happened there. Kenny was a volunteer, and just the last couple of weeks, he's not been able to make it. So just getting that out there. Kenny rode down to Auburndale, and uh, basically, if we'd gotten the full show in, I believe he would have been here. Um, And then Bobby, uh, Bobby called, and we got him on the show. So there's just... Listen, the the guests we've had on the show lately blown me away. Thank you guys. You guys, you guys are setting this up. Uh, I've got so much going on that I haven't even been reaching out to people looking for guests. So keep doing that. If you want to be on the show, call me. Set something up. Let's get you on for real. Um, but anyways, Kenny rode out with me to Auburndale this weekend, and we get out there. We uh, and we listen. We have a good relationship with Auburndale. We could have walked right in, but we decided to buy pit passes. We wanted to go walk through. We wanted to take pictures. A couple of the new Smyrna people were there that we know. Um, so we walked around the pits, and it was beautiful. When we got there, like, 
45 minutes before qualifying. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, there were some puffy clouds, but man, it was a gorgeous day. And then um, before qualifying started, we headed back out to the car. And um, it's a good thing we did. Um, had to grab a couple things. And um, we're looking at this one particular band of clouds. It's looking kind of kind of rough. And we're like, well, that doesn't look too promising. And I'm into weather. And I'm... I'm not an expert. I'm not a meteorologist per se, but I was looking at it and I'm like, yeah, based on the way the wind's going and where all the really bad clouds are, it looks like this is kind of like a feeder band and it should pass if we get a couple. I'm like, I don't think we're going to get more than a couple of sprinkles, if anything, out of this. I was not worried. I'm like, yeah, it's not what I want to see on race day, but I wasn't too worried about it. We uh, head in for qualifying. We watch all that. Um, they got the mini cup race in, which, oof, oof, that was a rough race. Uh, great turnout. There was like 14 of them. Freaking awesome. But oof, it was a rough one. Um, then I headed, I was going to go get something to eat and I head down to the concourse, ended up talking with uh, one of the drivers from the SRL series, Dodge Carlbert. We had a very interesting conversation uh, about a couple of things and which I appreciate. Um, I, I've always liked Dodge, I uh, really do. Um, I understand uh, why they don't race with us much. I uh, wish they would more, but I get why they don't. And we had a we had a very interesting conversation and one that I respect a lot. And uh, I was like, well, it's been it's been nice talking. The mini stocks had started. They were like seven laps in. I'm like, I'm going to go finish this race. And he goes, well, they're about to rain out because we were undercover. And I walk out and it started raining. And I was like, damn. Um, and it's nighttime. You can't see the clouds. Um then again, it's Saturday night, so a little bit of rain ain't going to dampen my spirit. If if we got to wait a little bit to get get things going, fine. Uh, so Kenny and I head back to the pits. Uh, we ended up, listen, man, it, it was the most fun I've had during a rainout. We we talked to Aaron Foy, we talked to Charles Friddle, uh, we talked to Jeffrey White, we talked to Eugene Tum- Tuminello, talked to Tim Sozio and his father for a little bit. And I know I'm new, smart, and name dropping, but those are the people that I that I know. Talk to Bobby Rowland. That's how this interview kind of came to be. He mentioned, you know, hey, I got to get on that podcast sometime. I'm like, well, let's set it up. And here, he, you know, he was just on. So, um, I, man, the, the rain sucked. It, it was one of those, like, pestering rains where it wasn't, you know, it poured a few times enough to make us lose the track. And it would kind of let up and give you a little bit of hope. And then it would stop for a little bit. You'd start driving the track and it'd start back up. It would mist. It would spit. It would rain hard for, like, five minutes. And then it would let back up. As as I say that, it's starting to rain outside now. And so if you get weird noise, well, it's it's pouring. Just like last week when Joe was in studio, it's pouring again. So um, a couple of times they came on the, the pit PA and were like, hey, you know, we're going to take a look at things here in like an hour and see where we're at. Then it was like, hey, we're, you know, we're hopeful we're going to have a window here in a few minutes and we're going to try to get this thing in. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'll just, we'll, we'll hang out. I, you know, it, it was the weekend. It was Saturday night. Um, I, I was uh, kid free for the weekend. So it's like, I'll wait till two o'clock if we have to, I don't care. We're, we're here. Let's do it. Um, and they did everything they could, man. They really did. The radar was such a tease. It was really bad. And we were right on the fringe of all the bad stuff all night long. It, it like, it was moving away from us, but it, as the storm from the heat of the day built up, it built up over Auburndale. And the sad part was 
when they finally called it, and it was like 10, 10.30. Look, they, they waited and waited and waited. They tried. Qualifying was in. You hate to cancel an event when qualifying is in. Sometimes you have to, and they did. Um, kudos to them for sticking it out as long as they did. But then you drive 10 minutes away or 10 miles away, whatever it is, whatever came first, and it was bone dry. The entire ride back to Orlando, once we got out of town, once we got out of the Auburndale area, bone dry. Oh, by the way, ran like a son of a gun at New Smyrna and the weepers were bad. It was it was awful. It was like all the places that were going to have races, it was raining. Citrus made a good call. Uh, Showtime was off. New Smyrna rained out on Friday, which I went to quarter midgets and saw the condition of the track. Great call. It was a miss. Um, sucks, but that's the truth. And then Auburndale, they tried, man. They really did. And um, it just didn't work out. The whole drive home, it was the easiest drive home from Auburndale ever. Nice and clear, no traffic, made it home in no time. So uh, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, I was planning to go back out on the 13th to their Friday show. I have quarter midgets that night. Won't be out then. We'll try to make it out to more of the Friday thing so we have a little bit more content. Listen, I, li- I like to try to make it to the tracks to get you guys content when, uh, when New Summer is not racing. But with that said, really enjoyed hanging out with everybody. Uh, went up to into the booth several times. Was talking to Jake Wilson, talking to Steve. Um, the crew that they had from uh, Pit Road TV, or I think that's what it was, the, the pay-per-view service that was there, they were fun, man. There was like a, an English guy up there who was, was just like gawking about racing. Super cool. Man, just here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I take away. Yes, I, I drove all the way out there. I spent a good amount of money to get in. I spent money on food, and I barely got to see any racing. But I had fun. I made the most out of the night. And that's all I ask of anybody when you go to a short track. Make the most out of your night. If you wreck your car, look back at the fun that you had before you did. Look back at the people you got to hang out with. If you get rained out, if you tow all the way to a racetrack and you get rained out, make something of it. If you do, you'll have a much more enjoyable time. That's my message for today. Um, looking at the results that got in, in qualifying for the pro trucks, Chase King was the fastest at a 14.287. Ahead of Jeffrey White, he was getting back behind the wheel of a pro truck. It's going to be interesting. Uh, 14.376 for Jeffrey. Carter Brown was third, 14.379. Corey Bigley, fourth, 14.452. And Maria Martins, she's been pretty good this year in limited starts. Uh, she was fifth. Again, out of 12. Sportsman qualifying, Brandon Morris, no surprise. He's been the dominator at Auburndale. He was a fast qualifier, 13.960. Tim Sozio continues his great season, 13.996. In second, Dodge Carlbert was third at a 14.012. Travis Rowland in the 34, the great qualifying effort. I think he was the last car to go out, uh, 14.030. And then Daniel Webster running at the top five, 14.033. Again, another Florida driver having a great season. So, those were your top fives. They did get the mini cup feature in, and this one was kind of all over the place. Again, 14 cars, a lot of new ones, a lot of calamities, lots of craziness. Definitely an adventure to get the mini cup race in, but that was the only race to be complete. And Carson Holt got the win over Lila Fuller. Tegan Briggs was third, fourth for William Tippin, or Tipton, and Russell Bush rounding out the top five. Really cool to see a lot of these cars, but... Sometimes you get a lot of cars and you get a lot of craziness. Uh, Mini stocks got on track 
And like I said, I did not see a lap. I, I ran to get some food and I ran into uh, Dodge Carlbert, ended up talking with him just as I was like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go watch the end of this race. It rained out. So that was my experience at Auburndale. Uh, it definitely beat sitting around at home. Um, then I came home and watched Talladega Trucks, which typical truck race. Uh, Brett Moffitt got the win there, and then we had the big fight. That was the big story, the fight between um, uh, Matt Crafton and Nick Sanchez. Given that no one has the full video, I think NASCAR did a good job piecing things together and laying down the fines. Uh, and again, Nick, Nick Sanchez was fined for his vulgar language and threats. So... I think uh, I think NASCAR made the right call on that one. That's really all I have to say on that. The premeditation, uh, you know, waiting like an hour after the race or whatever it was or 30 minutes after the race, whatever ended up being, um, that's not a good look for Matt Crafton if things went down a certain way, but nobody really knows. So you just got to take their word for it. So uh, that, was, um, that was Saturday and it... Uh, Kind of stinks that it uh, we we didn't get that SRL race in. Um, I think their finale is coming up at Freedom Factory, and that'll round up their season. Sunday though, we got to see the race at Talladega. Always one of my favorite events. I love the fall race at Talladega. We're coming down to the end of the season. No matter the points format, Talladega always has the opportunity to shake things up. I honestly believe this was one of the best Talladega races that we've had in recent memory, especially, now there's only four of these, but especially with the new car, this is the best Talladega race, period. Uh, the third lane did work. We saw a lot of cars work the high side and then drop to the low side. That's how you were making passes. You would make the passes on the high side and then drop to the inside and hold the lead for a little while. Nobody really dominated this race. Joey Logano, in my opinion, uh, he had the fastest car. He led 48 laps. He was out front uh, a lot in the first segment. Looked like he was going to be the man to beat. I mean, he dominated, if if there's such a thing at Talladega, but finished 24th. And that's just the way Talladega is. You have a really good car. You get in the wrong line. You get caught up in somebody's mess. And boom, you got a wreck. Uh, a wreck. Um, th this race was very exciting. It was not a wreck fest. The, the plate races, they're not wreck fests with this package we have wrecks we have moments but we get a lot of great racing and i think even if you're not a big fan of restrictor plates you could watch this race and be like damn all right that was good first segment went pretty much clean until the very end uh kyle bush is pushing ricky stenhouse he's uh up there trying to get some stage points stenhouse runs out of gas these uh the way they have the stages in these plate races, they kind of boil down to fuel mileage, and it's kind of crazy that we're racing this way. But uh, without cautions all over the place, this is what happens. They try to break the stage up, put in just enough fuel to get to the end of the stage, and Stenhouse ran out, got a push from, from Bush, who's all over him trying to make that line work. They get out of shape. Ross Chastain sees an opening, tries to shoot through, and clips Kyle Bush and ends up wrecking. Uh, Chastain wrecks... Uh, I believe the 20 got into this as well. And Ross Chastain's out of it and really hurting his playoff chances to move to the round of eight. Then we go into the second stage. And I want to say, yeah, man, stage two was clean and green. No incident at all in stage two. Then we get through stage number three. We're in stage three, 37 laps in. 
and a big wreck. Um, just a typical Talladega push gone wrong in the trioval. Brad Kozlowski, uh, this caution happened at lap 168. So we're getting down to about 20 laps to go. Uh, the pushes are getting tougher and desperation is starting to set in. Kozlowski kind of running towards the back half of the top 20. Gets into it with Carson Hosevar, just trying to push that line forward. And around they go. Hosevar comes down the track, clips Austin Dillon, who comes up and just wallops the outside wall, exiting the trioval. Collects Ty Gibbs, then collects Brad Kozlowski. And uh, Brad went for quite the slide and actually caught air. Uh, car was never in real danger of going over, but again, when these cars get spun at about a 45, 50 degree angle at these plate tracks, they start to catch some air. So, um, probably something NASCAR is going to look into. They like to keep these cars on the ground because, you know, Ryan Priest, that was a thing. Uh, luckily Brad stayed on all fours. Um, it was a big wreck, but not like the big one. And I didn't think we were going to have the big one. Uh, we went back racing and got about three laps in debris caution. That, to me, was the worst part of this race. It killed that that momentum that you get in the 20 laps. It's hard to build the runs with this new car. You need about three, four laps to get that energy really going. And that debris caution really killed it. Now, the final 13 laps of this race were green. So that helped. A uh, lot of action in those final 13 laps. A couple of different lead changes. Um, Ryan Blaney made a fantastic move. He was leading the high side, cuts it down on the inside, coming to the checkers, and was able to hold on and get the win. Photo finished between Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick. Really good racing at the end. Didn't know who was going to win it. I mean, it was Byron, uh, Harvick, Elliott, Blaney, you had four or five guys. Bowman was up in the mix. Um, you had four or five guys with a real good shot at winning this thing. And I just didn't know. I was holding my breath. Really enjoyed the run to the finish. And Ryan Blaney comes out on top, gets his second win of the season, third win at Talladega, and he advances now to the round of eight. So with William Byron's victory, Willie B is in. And now with Blaney's victory, he's in the round of eight as well. Um, the guys that had a tough day, let's just call it the playoff guys that suffered. Uh, Ross Chastain, of course, because he was involved in the wreck. Oh, I forgot to mention, big wreck coming across the finish line. They saved the big one till like the exit of the trioval on the final lap. So there was a big one, and it shuffled the running order, but it was on the last lap coming to the checkers. I'm sure you've all seen it. Uh, but the playoff drivers that had tough days, Ross Chastain with a crash in stage one. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, the crash in stage three, relegated him to a 32nd place finish. Kyle Busch finished 25th, no stage points. Um, he ran well, got shuffled out at the end of like every stage and is on the outside looking in. Uh, Bubba Wallace uh, did not win at Texas two weeks ago, needed to come into Talladega, have a good night. No stage points and a 23rd place finish. He is in trouble going into the Roval. So, Chastain, Wallace, and Bush all need big things to happen at the Roval. And I think, um, you know, you can not you can never count out Kyle Busch. I, I don't think he's going to win the Roval. I think he's a must-win driver. He's not going to win it. Um, Chastain could be an interesting player, and Bubba is just, Bubba's done. Uh, I, I, think, I think Bubba, Bush, and Chastain are in major trouble going into next week. Chris Busch, another playoff driver, was 19th. Martin Truex, he ran like 18th. He finished middle of the pack. He ran middle of the pack all day. 
So the regular season champion floating by with his playoff points right now. So tell me the regular season is not important. Tyler Reddick, 16th. Kyle Larson ran great all day and finished 15th. And Christopher Bell, 14th. So not a good day for the playoff guys. The only playoff guys to capitalize, of course, were Ryan Blaney, uh, who won. William Byron's already locked in in second. And then Denny Hamlin, who finished much of the – it was uh, a lap down for much of the race. He finished third and – Although not locked into the next round, essentially we'll make it in on points. So Hamlin, Hamlin's looking good. Byron and Blaney, they're all looking good. So Roval's going to be interesting for sure. It always is. I don't think it'll be the best race in the world. Uh, there's a reason we're going back to the Oval next year. Um, but yeah, that's what went down at Talladega. Oh, the other big thing, of course, don't want to breeze over this, but uh, Kevin Harvick, who came up just short, of getting the win was disqualified for window fasteners not being well fastened. So Harvick uh, looking for that first win, that send off victory for a great career, didn't get it, and then was relegated to 38th with the DQ in post race tech. And you know what? Kudos to NASCAR. I love the we're going to DQ you now if you're illegal, even if it's for the smallest of infractions. I love it. That's how you set precedents with these cars. That's how you make sure these guys are doing what they're supposed to do. So, great Talladega race. Um, I did score it. Because, you know, that's the thing we do on the show. So, let me pull that up here. And I'll tell you right now, it was a good one. Uh, racing, gave it a 10. Probably some of the best restrictor play racing with the new car. Excitement, a 9. They scored the excitement factor a 9 because of that debris caution that came out and really killed... A lot of the runs, the momentum coming down to the final 10 laps or so. The finish, gave it a 10. Cars are moving around everywhere. You had the big wreck coming to the finish. A photo finish, even though one of those cars was illegal. Still a 10. Lead changes. There was, God, how many lead changes were in this thing? I know it was 36 is a 10, uh, and there were 70, 70 lead changes in a 188-lap race. Freaking give it an 11, would you? Um, enjoyment, a 10. So overall, this one gets a 9.8. A 9.8. Almost a perfect 10. So a great Talladega race for sure. We're up to a 6.68 for the season, for those of you keeping along with that average at home. Uh, a couple NASCAR things here to button up before we take our last commercial break. Going to the final segment, Power Rankings, um, uh, Fantasy, and Thunder Road. I want to talk about Thunder Road before we let y'all go. Um, NASCAR schedule, uh, at the time of this recording, it's not out. We do know that Iowa Speedway will have a NASCAR race or a cup race, uh, Xfinity returns and cup returns. Well, actually a couple go there for the first time. Cool, but not a big deal to me. Uh, it's a bigger Richmond. Richmond's been eh, so-so new car, very meh on short tracks. So I don't know. It'll probably be like a 300-mile race. I'll probably neuter it anyway, so I don't know. Uh, I, I guess the Montreal deal isn't happening, so they had to find something else real quick, and that's what we got. So not uh, not too wild about that. And then the other rumor, not confirmed, but rumored, and I'm hearing that because of the stupid-ass Olympics, um, and NBC, who does the Olympics, has the NASCAR coverage for the second half, the things are going to get moved around. There might be like a couple of week break and Daytona because of that may not be the regular season finale. And I'm sorry, 
Um, get a different TV partner for those weeks, but not having Daytona as the regular season finale is a huge loss on NASCAR. They hit on magic with that. That is like the most epic way to build drama for the end of the regular season. The win and you're in, nobody's out of it until the checkered flag flies. That's the kind of drama you want to build up to your playoffs. And you're telling me you're not going to have that now because of the stupid ass Olympics. Sorry, the Olympics has no effect on NASCAR. We don't race. These these guys aren't going to race in the Olympics, but because of the broadcast partner has other obligations, find a different partner. Tell NBC that on Olympics year, Fox gets those two weeks or uh, ESPN gets those weeks. I don't know, but that is some crap. If you're going to move Daytona out of the regular season finale after the awesome races we've had there the last five years, then you're doing it wrong. NASCAR, you need to stop bending over to TV you need to stop bending over to politics. You need to stop neutering the sport. It's getting absurd. I love it. I love the races, but damn, this is NASCAR. This is racing. Run the races. Build the best schedule possible. Give us the most entertainment possible. And don't ruin it like you are. And with that said, let's take our final commercial break. I need to cool down. We'll be back on the other side. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years, not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom-made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for, for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out 
on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334. Or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, Um, They do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. $5 an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the third and final segment. I'm good now. I've relaxed. Those commercials, they brought me back down to the earth. Um, we had Joe Racine in here last week and he did a fantastic job in the interview and uh, before he came over, I was like, hey, just so you know, um, this is my, you're coming to my house. It's a disaster. My my two-year-old likes to play with like every single toy every single day and throw them everywhere. And we're going to record this in my back room, which is like the guest bedroom slash studio slash storage area. So you're not walking in, in into anything grandiose here. And he's like, well, I don't care. And we're back here doing the interview and I've got the lights on. And I'm thinking, man, I need if I'm gonna have people in here occasionally for live interviews, I need more of like I need more of a vibe in here. So I went and got some new lighting for the studio. And uh, for the third segment, I've turned that on and I've got the orange lights on right now for Halloween, because we're in October. I decorated my house. I did some stuff to the outside today. I I'm excited, man. It's fall. I'm I'm in the mood. Like I said, I got the orange studio lights on. There's a vibe in here now. I'm loving this. So, uh, again, that all goes to uh, all of our sponsors. Thank you guys for your support. Um, looking to upgrade uh, microphones and stands here for, you know, next year. So, just uh, just thank you guys. Um, and, Joe, if you ever come back to the studio, we'll, we'll, we'll throw the, uh, the green and yellow lights on. Give a Days of Thunder vibe in here. So... Anyway, 
I digress. Let's get into the third and final segment. Uh, not Nothing for around the state. So I'm going to start with the Racing with Ryan Fantasy League from Talladega. See how we did. Uh, Staffordshire Motorsports was our winner there with 170 points in the Fantasy League. Second place uh, was John Gross, Bomber 93 with 157. Big Tempin was third. King Penguin fourth. Bob's Fords tied with Pit Penguin for fifth. Ben Say was seventh. And uh, yours truly, another poor fantasy day in eighth. So not what I was looking for. Uh, going to the standings here. Uh, oh, man. Go to the league standings. That would help. Pull up the overall standings. John Gross, Mr. Bomber number 93, still leading the overall standings with 5,724 Staffordshire Motorsports. Uh, one of the newcomers to the league this year. Ended his second with 5,626. Bob Say, Bob's Fords, he's third with 5,594. Steve from SRQ Taxes, our good friend there, still sitting fourth with 5,481. Big Tempin is now up into the top five with 5,470. Richie Petty Jr. with 5,437. And yours truly has slipped to seventh in the overall standings, 5,398. So John Gross with over a 100-point lead with five races to go. John's looking really good. We got the Roval. This weekend, we have Las Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville in the next round, and then Phoenix to wrap it up. So we'll see if anybody can catch him. I'm certainly not doing myself any favors. So that's where we're at there with the Racing with Ryan Fantasy League. By the way, your brackets, um, like I said in the last show, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for the season to be over, and I'm going to see who scored the most points so if your bracket uh, you know if you predict the champion you'll get a point there if, if you for every driver you have in the round of four you'll get a point there and whoever gets the most points because i i'm looking at things and i'm like everybody's out this is no fun so we're just gonna wait till the end and see and the payout will be determined on those that paid and if you didn't pay then i'll just take five dollars out of your winnings and somebody will get some money at the end of this thing so um Definitely thought we'd do a little bit better at predicting our brackets. And, uh, well, some of the guys that went out in the first round didn't help anybody. So, power rankings, power rankings. Let's get back into the show here. Uh, last week, I did the power rankings and totally forgot to snap a picture of it. But I have the picture this week, so I'll quickly go over it. And then, uh, to wrap up the show, I want to talk about the Thunder Road Milk Bowl. 15th in our power rankings this week. Going into the Roval and after Talladega, Kyle Busch. Just a miserable day at Talladega. Miserable day at Texas. He slips to 15th, the worst he's been in the standings all season. I uh, dropped four spots. Chase Elliott, good run. In contention for his first one of the year. Didn't get it, but moves up one spot to 14th in the rankings. Ross Chastain wrecking out in stage one and in dire position going into the Roval. He drops from 9th to 13th. Bubba Wallace, another poor showing, another driver. I have to move down the rankings. I'm sure Kenny will be happy with this, but Bubba Wallace is 12th. Kevin Harvick, now I'm judging him. I, I, NASCAR did what they had to do. They did a good job. The car wasn't legal, but I don't think it mattered too, too much. I'm judging him based on his race and not his DQ. He's moved up three spots to 11th. Joey Logano, uh, he's moved from 12th to 10th. I mentioned that... Um, he was about the most dominant car of the day. It just didn't get the finish he deserved, so only moves up two spots. Tyler Reddick moves up one spot to ninth. 
Ryan Blaney with the win, locking himself into the round of eight. He moves from 13th. He was trending downwards, not just in my power rankings, but in the media as well. Uh, but he bumps up to eighth. Martin Truex Jr. down one spot to seventh. Brad Keselowski with the crash and uh, uh, poor finish. He moves down two spots to sixth. Chris Busher down four. Uh, I'm sorry, down three spots to fifth. Christopher Bell, by lack of surviving and winning at the Roval last year, he moves from seventh to fourth. Kyle Larson down one spot to third. William Byron, another great run. He moves up three spots to second. And Denny Hamlin with the rally of all rallies. I remember talking to Frank Button on the phone uh, after the the crash with Keselowski. I was like, man, I think we're about to see Denny Hamlin get into this thing. And he's like, oh, no, Hamlin's not done nothing all day. Hamlin was finally back in the lead lap, made the most of it, finished third on the field. He moves up to, or he remains number one in our power rankings. I don't think the Roval necessarily suits Denny Hamlin, but again, I think he's going to easily transfer to the round of eight. I think he will probably get a win and secure himself into the round of four, going for the championship at Phoenix. So with that said, let's take a look at what happened at one of my favorite racetracks um, up in Vermont to wrap up their season. This is their governor's cup, man. This is uh, it's called the milk bowl. I'm sure many of you have heard about it. The high kick 99 that used to take uh, place at Citrus County borrowed from this. It's a three segment late model race, totaling 150 laps and they score points. And the driver with the lowest score at the end of the three races is the winner of the race, just like they did at the high kick. So um, some 40 cars, I think 39, came out for practice. They might have lost one or two uh, during practice. Some 38, 37 cars uh, qualified into the race, and then they ran three, get this, three 50-lap heat races a last chance race and had provisionals to get you into the field. Uh, they took a Thunder Road provisional and an ACT tour provisional to lock in the Governor's Cup field. They started 28 cars, so each of the segments had 28 cars. Racing was really good. Um, it would be track champion out of Graniteville, Vermont, Stephen Donahue winning segment number one and then cruising to a sixth in stage two and hanging on to win the Milk Bowl with a 12th in Stage 3. Stephen Donahue throwing it back to Kevin Harvick with his orange uh, Reese's scheme this week. Just a, a phenomenal performance. A great season for Stephen. Uh, young, second-generation driver. Uh, his dad, uh, John. I watched John race late models there at Thunder Road when I was a kid. Actually, uh, saw John flip at a race I went to not too long ago. And uh, Stephen gets the win. He totaled 19 points, won by three points over like four-time Milk Bowl champion Nick Sweet. Um, John was, uh, I'm sorry, Stephen Donahue definitely uh, was hanging on those last couple laps. I think he put his car in the wall a couple of times just trying to hold his position. So the the racing in the late models was very good. They had plenty of cars and so many good ones. There was, I mean, 12, 15 guys that legitimately could have won the Milk Bowl, and it would be track champion Stephen Donahue getting it done. Um, the funny thing about Stephen Donahue, things worked out perfectly for him. He qualified outside pole for the Milk Bowl, so he was locked in. They kind of, they do qualifying like they do at Daytona, so the front row is locked in and everybody else has to race their way in. So when Stephen locked in uh, during qualifying on Saturday, he ran 
his qualifying race, had to run half the race. He ran half the race, pulled it in, got on the road, drove to Groveton, New Hampshire, so went across Vermont and into New Hampshire, good couple of hours, made it over to Riverside and won the track championship there, came back to Thunder Road for Sunday morning and won the most prestigious race in Vermont, the Milk Bowls. So what a great year for Stephen Donahue, Riverside champion, Thunder Road champion, and Milk Bowl champion. Awesome stuff. Uh, again, next week, second, third for Chris Pelkey, who was last year's Milk Bowl and Thunder Road champion. Marcel Gravel, a great fourth-place run. Top fives like every week for Marcel. Just couldn't break through and get the win. DJ Shaw was fifth, sixth for Derek Gluchaki, who was the pole sitter. Seventh went to Thunder Road regular Cody Blake. Bobby Therrien was eighth. Jason Corliss, ninth. And Jimmy Hebert, another Vermont guy, rounding out the top ten. Again, 28 cars qualified into the Milk Bowl. Fantastic stuff. Flying Tigers were in action. They ran a two-segment mini Milk Bowl and had a huge wreck coming to the checkers on segment two. I put the videos um, from Flow Racing up on my Facebook, but Mike Pilladu, who was running about third, spun out in front of the field. Cam Gadju in a Rusty Wallace throwback card just comes screaming in there, nowhere to go, up over the back of, of uh, Jason Pelkey. A huge crash to finish the Mini Milk Bowl. And Rich Lowry, by virtue of finishing third in both races, scored a score of six and was the Mini Milk Bowl Flying Tiger champion over Jason Woodard. Derek Calkins was third. Logan Powers was fourth. Michael Martin was fifth. Sixth for Tyler Pepin. Jason Pelkey, seventh. Aaron Menard, eighth. Ninth for Brad Bushy. And Robert Gordon rounding out the top ten. Same deal for the street stocks. They are in a Mini Milk Bowl two-segment race. Josh Lovely with a second and a first was the apparent winner, but he was DQ'd due to an engine um, an engine issue. So an infraction with the engine takes Josh Lovely out and gives the win to Trevor Jakes, who finished third and ninth for 12 points. So uh, technically, Trevor Jakes wins the mini milk bowl for the street stocks by one point over Logan Farrell, James Dopp, the track champ, Danny Doyle, Parker Gagne, Dean Switzer, 7th for Ryan Foster, 8th for Zach Audette, 9th for Hayden Pierce, and Michael Gay rounding out the top 10 for the streets. And they had the Mini Milk Bowl for the Warriors. They had like 28 of these bone stock bomber type cars for the Warriors. And Nate Tater Bryan won both segments, takes the win. Fred Flurry, second in both segments, was second. Hunter Guarduno was third. Mike Singerland and Brody Frazier rounding out your top five there just great racing really fun event it was a two-day show uh qualifying and 50 lap um, qualifying heat races for the late models and then they ran segments for the lower card one per day uh just got the full experience on both days they also had the past super late models there um let me see if i can find the results for that they also had super modifieds underwhelming car counts for both of those events let me see if i can get the results for you here um, just a, it, just a perfect way to do a two day thing. It wasn't like one day, just practice and then come back the next day. It was practice, qualify, heat races, a couple of segments for the lower card and then milk bowl Sunday. So let me see if I can find the end results here. Uh, again, qualifying Derek Gluchaki was the fast qualifier there. Pro all-star super late models. These are the super late models. Like we could race, uh, down here. 
Uh, only 12 cars, so a little bit of a disappointing turnout there, but DJ Shaw won over Gabe Brown, Johnny Clark, Jimmy Ebert, and Evan Hallstrom. Super Modifieds only had 10 cars, and Matt Swanson got the win over Ryan Battles, Dan Bowles, Ben Seitz, and Rob Summers. Um, yeah, that's really all there is to it for the Milk Bowl. Just a great event. If you have Flow Racing, you can go back and watch full day replays, and you'll see uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Very enjoyable stuff. So that's my Around the State segment for this week, if you will, since nowhere else was able to get in. This week at New Smyrna, we're looking forward to getting back on track. We do have the Prolate Model Hoosier Challenge Series returning 100 laps for the Prolates. Handful of good cars already entered. Brad May, of course, Ruben Caceres. Uh, Tim Sozio will be there. Um, the 58 car for Johnny Aramendia, he'll be there. Crash will be back in attendance, and I'm sure we'll get a handful of other cars. We'll miss uh, Mike Maclier this week. Unfortunately, car's still not ready. He's looking to get back for Governor's Cup. So, um, Auburndale will be back in action. I believe Citrus is going to have their full throttle this week. Um, going to be an interesting one. So, as usual, we will have plenty to talk about on next week's show. Again, I want to thank Bobby Rowland for taking the time to call in. I want to thank all of our sponsors for their continued support here. I want to thank all you listeners for continuing to listen to this thing. I know some nights it's just me sitting here with a beer rambling, but it's a lot of fun. So thank you guys uh, for your support, for listening, all that good stuff. Um, Hopefully we'll have more local stuff to talk about next week as we get down towards the end of our seasons. Um, That just means there'll be plenty of drama. So until next week, y'all take care. Get out and support your local track. Get out somewhere and do some racing. Summarize it all next week. Y'all take care. Talk to you then. Bye.